Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Planetary Union Network, the Orville Fan Podcast. I'm Dan Taylor. You may have heard me on previous other podcasts, uh, Starmageddon, which we talked about Star Trek and Star Wars. And I'm also on the podcast Dad D&D, in which we play a little Dungeons and Dragons. With me is my co-host for Planetary Union Network, Joe Quickle. How are you? Good, good. How are you? I am swell. Um, so this is the Planetary Union Network. This is the podcast about Seth MacFarlane's new sci-fi show, The Orville. You got the memo on that, right? Oh, shit. <laughs> you thought it was about popcorn? Yeah. No, I, I thought we were here for Discovery. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm doing that podcast <laughs> in a couple of weeks. All right. So the show premiered last night. We both caught it. You know, let's speak bluntly, kind of uh, a sigh of relief and wiping my brow a bit after reading some of the reviews before the show premiered. Yeah, I didn't really get too invested in the uh, the pre-show reviews. I, You know, critics going to crit it. Yeah, I'd never let critics uh, dictate what I'm going to watch or what I'm going to like anyway. But there were a lot of them popping up, and, you know, I did peruse a couple of them. And the critics were not too kind on uh the orville and you know i was going in, in, into the episode with a little bit of fear that like oh damn here goes all the work we put together putting this podcast together if the show turns out horribly <laughs> bad but i shouldn't have feared anything uh the first episode of the orville i dug it i i mean i'll go as far as to say i absolutely really enjoyed this yeah i completely agree i i didn't really know exactly what to expect other than I knew that it wasn't going to be family guy in space, but, um, you know, some of the gags were, were, were played really well from an otherwise uh, straight performance. Now for the proof that critics don't know shit, I'm looking at the Rotten Tomatoes page right now and the tomato meter is 17%, which is still 17 points better than Marvel's and humans. So it's got that going for it. But a 90% audience score, 90% liked it. That's that's pretty damn good. I I would count myself in as I'm definitely part of that 90% that dug it. The low scores, what people rate before the show even starts, or before a movie airs, just I I I just don't really understand why people just don't give it a chance to begin with, or they're just contrarians. Now the 70% that's supposedly critic, you know, actual critics who did the review and. The reviews that I did read, you know, are skimmed. I don't think I finished a, a, a one of them, but they seem to have gone into the ep into the show with um, an idea or a mindset of what they were already expecting, and it was either they weren't going to like it because it's Seth MacFarlane and he's the guy responsible for the crass and crude Family Guy, or they did watch it. And they didn't like the fact that it was crass and crude enough, like the family guy that they don't like anyway. Yeah, either didn't go far enough for them or 
already predisposed not to like it. And there was a lot of buzz about it being a parody of Star Trek. Now, the comparisons between the Orville and Star Trek, uh, mainly the original series and the next generation, uh, strongly on the next generation, are going to exist. There's no way to get around it. They are very similar shows. And it's to the point where, yes, the Orville, let's say, borrows a lot from Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation. But I don't see it as a parody and people who thought it was going to be a parody, I could see them being disappointed in it because it's not slapstick fun, um, zany kind of goof on Star Trek. It's not Galaxy Quest, which was a parody of sorts to, uh, to Star Trek. It's its own machine. It's its own animal. It's its own alien where it's I, I see it more as an, an homage to Star Trek with an element that Star Trek didn't or at least Star Trek Next Generation doesn't have or didn't have much of. Now, don't get me wrong. I am a Star Trek fan. I love Star Trek. I am a Trekkie. I'm a Trekker. I'm all Star Trek. But Next Generation mainly, which is like I said, I think the Orville is going to be compared to the most was rather dry and rather sterile. Right. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it's fine, and it worked very well for that show. Star Trek Next Generation is a, was a great seven seasons. Rarely a dud in them. But you'd have to agree, or I don't know if you'll agree, or Star Trek fans would agree, but the very first episode of Star Trek Next Generation was kind of a clunker. Yeah, I do agree. Uh, Counter at Farpoint was a in essence an origin episode it was an introductory to this new star trek and the first episode of the orville old wounds is also serves the same purpose it's an introduction to this new sci-fi universe it's just, it's an, an origin universe so to speak and to be honest it does suffer some clunkiness to it as well but I think that's true with all origin and all introductory episodes. Yeah, that's that's just going to happen. Um, I do feel like um, the pilot, at least for the Orville, did a bit a bit better in character development in the initial pilot than uh, Next Generation did as well. And I think what plays into that is the characters, even the alien characters in the Orville, are coming off more human. There's the comedy now this has been called a a, a a dramedy it's comedy it's drama and i think people who, who were expecting comedy because they use a lot of the jokes and one-liners in the trailer or the previews that we saw before the episode aired were maybe expecting more of that and i found the comedy in the first episode mainly in the dialogue i mean we, we'll talk about the dog in the background <laughs> that's the first thing I noticed yeah and but the comedy mostly lies in the dialogue between the characters in the Orville yeah it's it, the the dialogue it's I don't know it's more realistic exactly it's not it's not sterile it's it it's it flows it's got a, just a sense of realism as if you were actually having that conversation a lot of science fiction programming 
kind of takes itself too seriously. And that comes is derived by the dialogue, which kind of takes on a Shakespearean vibe to it, even though it's not filled with those and thous. But the dialogue in the Orville, and, I'm, you know, for the most place, I'm going to give credit to Seth MacFarlane, the creator and writer of the episode, as well as the actors who played the roles. It was very down to earth for a science fiction show. They said and spoke things in a manner, in a way, that I think normal people talk. And it was just the little things like John Lamar, the navigator of the, of the Orville. When he first met Mercer, you know, he was very casual. Yeah, how's it going with you? Okay, one question. Do we get to have soda on the bridge? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, that was one of the moments that I just almost completely lost it and it just the, <laughs> our, our old captain used to let us have sodas yeah and that just the way that's so matter of factly it just i think made the show made this science fiction show more realistic the fact that they're talking about sodas on the bridge keep them under the equipment you know and don't spill it the tension of the two main characters of uh seth mcfarland's ed mercer and adrian palicki's uh kelly grace and the divorced couple who now have to work together and, you know, just the way the familiarity and the jocularity of Scott Grimes, Gordon Malloy, the helmsman on the Orville, and Ed Mercer, the Ed Mercer character, how well they like and know each other, it adds, again, realism. And I felt when, like, Next Generation tried to make the characters more human, and again, love Next Generation, but the try to add elements like, okay, we'll make Riker more relatable by having him play the trombone. Who the fuck plays a trombone? <laughs> Except people in band. Right, yeah, it's not something you're typically going to have outside of that. But people are concerned about whether or not they can have a soda at their workstation while they're at work. Yeah, or even um, you know, asking if they can wear shorts. Exactly. There may be some sci-fi Trekkie elitists who say that that sort of dialogue takes them out of the program or out of the episode. But for me, it, it immersed me much better and much deeper into it. Yeah, and that uh, that dialogue and the, just the way this show is designed and written could bring more people into that kind of genre that wouldn't normally try it. it exactly. It's, it's not as grand or as technobabble as other science fiction shows may be. It's very loose, very, like I said, down to earth and very relatable. That's what I think the strong point of the Orville is going to be overall is the relate relatability. Is that a word? Relatability? Uh, I think that's a word. All right. Of the characters is going to be its definite strength and which will hopefully draw people in but not only do that, but keep them involved with the show. So regarding the first episode, now, if you're listening to this podcast, there will be spoilers. That will be spoilers on every episode of the Planetary Union Network uh, regarding the Orville. We will generally release episodes shortly after each episode airs, and we will talk about that episode. So if you are trying to avoid spoilers, click us off now. If you haven't already, but then if you have, you're not hearing this. And check back with us in a couple days after you've seen episode one, Old Wounds. Okay. 
first episode, your overall thoughts about it, other than the fact that we talked about it being an origin or introductory episode. Um, well, I said earlier, I, I, I really enjoyed the character development. Um, all of the all the different characters and all of the different uh, guest stars, including a uh, <laughs> the the uh, the blue cheating alien played by Rob Lowe. I I think I know what came out of his head, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it's, I I'm not entirely new, entirely sure. Whole new um, take on the facial. <laughs> yeah, and it's sets a tone for the episode in a in a way well or it directly sets up the fact that there's going to be conflict between ed mercer the captain of the orville and kelly grayson who ends up being the first officer of the orville they're a divorced couple they're each other's exes and it's quick it's 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 um that scene you're talking about serves its purpose quickly and we move on to the rest of the episode. Yeah, and then when he finds out actually um, that she's going to be his first officer, that that run through the corridor. Yeah, the outright panic. Now Seth MacFarlane, he's the guy, for, obviously the guy for Family Guy. He's done a lot of voice work. He's Brian. He's Stewie. He's a number of other voices. He had the movie Eight Thousand Ways to Die in the West or something to that effect. I think that might be the title. Uh, he's the writer, writer and uh, director of Ted, in which he also voiced the bear Ted. He's a leading man in this episode. He is our William Shatner. He is our Patrick Stewart. Both of which I really hope guest sometime on the Orville. He does have a relationship with Patrick Stewart, who's done numerous things with on uh, Family Guy and his show uh, American Dad. So that's not out of the realm of impossibility. And I think William Shatner will show up anywhere with for a, a paycheck. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think both those are possibilities. Now, Seth MacFarlane's going to have to carry the show as a leading man. And it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Because he does not have, I don't know, the bravado of a William Shatner Kirk or Patrick Stewart, Jean-Luc Picard. But I think that's going to play better for him as Captain Ed Mercer, who's going to be, although he's wanted this position, he wanted to command a starship all his life. He's going to have a lot of questions about himself doing it. And I think that's going, I think Seth MacFarlane is going to be able to pull this off quite well. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think, um, I think you're right. I, I feel like he's, almost uniquely able to just grow within the role. Because uh, the dialogue of that character, the lines that he says about how he's wanted this all his life, he's wanted to captain a ship all his life. If you know anything about Seth MacFarlane, you know he's a huge Star Trek fan. And those words, that those lines he says, I think read pretty clear of how Seth MacFarlane feels about wanting to have a Star Trek type show himself. Right. This show, I believe he said, was really the reason why he started this. Being in you know, the whole Hollywood thing in general was because he wanted to do a show like this. And at this point, for I for one am glad he has because I've enjoyed the first episode and look forward to more. Adrian Palicki, who I've got a major crush on from when she was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She is Kelly Grayson, his ex-wife and the first officer on the Orville. Again, spoilers. 
it becomes clear in the episode that although she wronged her husband in the past, she has pulled a lot of strings for him to get his dream gig of commanding a starship. Yeah, Admiral Halsey uh, is apparently friends with her father. Mm-hmm. And so strings were pulled, uh, favors were cashed in, and Ed Mercer got his command. And some may feel that, oh, you know, it's the wife who did her husband wrong, is looking to make things better. I think it goes more than that. And I think that Adrian Palicki's character, Kelly Grayson, is going to play a much stronger role and just not trying to atone for her sin, so to say, or so to speak, or, you know, make up for whatever judgment and error she made in the past. But there's a general love for Ed Mercer, her ex-husband, and she just wants to do right by him as a person, which will make her the hero of the show, really. Not necessarily the captain of the ship, but I think it's the first officer. Thoughts? I, I can agree with that as well. Um, just, And it, it becomes very evident around the end of the uh, pilot episode that uh, just how true that could be. Penny Johnson, Gerald, is Dr. Claire Finn. She's uh, one of the most renowned phys- physicians of the Planetary Union. She could be uh, assigned to any ship but yet she chose this ship because it's mercer's first command and she's going to find it challenging folks might recognize her as cassidy yates from deep space nine there are a lot of crossovers as far as actors and talent behind the camera go with this show and the various incarnations of star trek i like her first introduction with the captain mercer where she's not sounds like she's not going to pull any punches She's going to keep an eye on Mercer to make sure he does things right as well. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, quotes of the episode actually came out of that exchange. The, uh, I am your doctor, sir, and if your balls are under par, I'll know. Yes. Uh, balls are mentioned a lot on this uh, first episode, but again, not in a way for laughs, not like dick jokes at all. I think it's just, you know, the vernacular. That's the word I was looking for of down to earth dialogue. Yeah, there was kind of one dick joke, at least at the beginning of it. Whenever Ed was talking to the Admiral about uh, Malloy, you know, he's drawn a lot of penises on a lot of things. Right, yeah. Okay, that's definitely a dick joke. Speaking of Malloy, played by Scott Grimes, he's the helmsman and best friend of Captain Mercer. He's the loosest cannon of the crew, I would say. Basically, yeah, loose cannon. He likes to have fun. That's evident, really, in his intro with the uh, the ogre battle program. Right on their version of the hollow deck, um, the virtual reality. He's a samurai warrior fighting an ogre. Who the ogre character was just adorable the way he was programmed, big scary monster, but yet very uh, charming the way he spoke. But this is the this is our bro. I think this is our strong bromance of the show. Is definitely between Ed Mercer and Gordon Malloy, if comparisons are going to be made. And so he is, I think he's going to come across very much as the Bones McCoy character. Yeah, I can see that. And I think it's going to turn out that 
Adrian Palicki's Kelly Grayson will play more of the Spock role as far as being more logical. There's your triad, your trinity. The Kirk, Spock, McCoy is Mercer, Grayson, Malloy. McCoy, Malloy. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe Seth was on something there. Could be intentional. Peter Macon is Lieutenant Commander Bordis. Again, comparisons very Worf-like. Yeah, even the the delivery of the dialogue. He's an alien. He's a Moklin, a single-gendered species. You saw on the trailers where they talk about he only has to urinate once a year. Um, I know like in episode three is going to be kind of a heavier episode about him and his mate and their child. Looking forward to that one. But he he may be the breakout character as everyone's favorite, like as Worf was. Just because he is deadpan delivery of everything, you know he's going to be loyal to a fault and very dedicated. Again, he's third in command, being the second officer. Halston Sage as Alara Katayan. She's a security officer, like only 23, I think they said she was. Yeah, 23 or 24. I don't remember the exact number, but that is... That's really close. And she's from one of the two. She's from a high gravity planet, which makes her stronger than normal humans and environments with Earth gravity. She's a little petite. She obviously doesn't look threatening, and yet she is the head of security. She gets to shine a little bit in this episode, and I think we'll see her character grow. Nothing I dislike about the character, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of her and learning more of her. I did enjoy the way they introduced the character. Uh, Kind of the the exchange between her and and the captain in the uh, the officers meeting, where uh, her her race not very many of them join the uh, the military, so they get fast tracked because of their extreme strength and prowess. Yeah, this episode had a very again being an introductory episode, it sort of had a more of a tale than show aspect to it, and that we were introduced to each of the major characters as the captain introduced himself to them individually. And it works fine in storytelling, even if it's not very dramatic or exciting. Yeah, and then they did show a little bit later, um, especially with her character, in the uh, open this jar of pickles for me part, which we actually got in pretty much every preview. Right. And uh, then the high jump. Now, we brought up Jay Lee. He's John Lamar, the navigator of the Orville. He stood out for me as well, like I mentioned before. He's just a very laid back, very competent at his job, but kind of straightforward. They're like, maybe we shouldn't be talking about that. He's like, no, we're talking about this. Yeah, I think there might end up being some competition between him and, uh, and Lieutenant Malloy. Okay. He seems like he might want the helmsman job. Just kind of some dialogue that I picked up on. We'll put a pin in that and uh, see if that does occur. Mark Jackson is Isaac, the artificial life form from Kalon Machine Society, who I guess are known to be extremely racist because they're not fans of biological life forms. Yeah, and I want them to go further into that racism. It, it was really subtly played in the uh, pilot. He was the least used character in this opening episode, which is fine. We're talking, we've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight or so main characters to deal with. Not everyone's going to get an 
the opportunity to shine in every episode, especially in the first introductory episode. So I'm sure we'll see more of Isaac and learn more about his character. But I, again, in that first introductory scene, individual one-on-one -on -one with the captain, um, I liked his character. You know, it seems kind of weird to say, you know, I really want them to flesh out the racism. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, whenever Ed Mercer says, uh, isn't your race legendarily racist? And then he basically just quips back something around, you know, yeah, humans suck. Like, well, okay. Seemed like they could have went a little bit further. Now, as the episode progressed, we saw a lot of, we saw the bad guys. We saw the krill. Very... Yeah. Uh, nasty-looking warlike race. And again, the, they looked uh, kind of like they're going to be compared to the Klingons. I'm going to compare their marksman skills to the stormtroopers. Yeah, they didn't hit much. I mean, I guess the character, uh, the captain got hit with once and didn't. Apparently, they were phasers or their blasters weren't set very high either. Everybody on the Orville apparently is a pretty good shot. They took down a lot of the Kree. Or the Krill. Kree, that's another one that would be compared to often. Like in a lot of Star Trek episodes, there are the Orville features a face-off between the ship, the Orville, and the bad guy spaceship from the Krill. And how that one is resolved surprised me, even though I kind of saw it coming. Yeah, and he pocketed the seeds. I said those will come back into play later, and then... Okay, let me say, maybe it wasn't surprising, but it was a unique uh, way to destroy the enemy ship. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a Redwood um, destroy a uh, ship before, so. Right. And I think I prefer the line, Happy Arbor Day. Yeah, I do too. And, and my wife was saying the same thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, the Happy Arbor Day was just great. It was also really funny that, you know, her, you've got wood. Right comment the the rest of the crew laughed at a lot more than the captain's comment but and the fact nobody on the crew knew what arbor day was because i guess 400 years in the future that makes sense again the comparisons to star trek are going to exist and that's fine if you're going to enjoy the orville you're just going to have to get along and live with that and as i've stated clear i don't see it as a parody star trek itself the format has become such a trope in its own way that I don't see the Orville directly copying Star Trek as much as it's utilizing the trope of Star Trek. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. It's just like you said earlier, uh, it, it is far more of an homage to Star Trek than it is trying to actually be Star Trek. And I think it succeeds on its own merits and both paying an homage to Star Trek as well as serving as its own science fiction dramatic exploration in the space boldly going where apparently previous science fiction shows have gone before. All right, so that is basically our thoughts on the first episode and the series itself, the Orville of what we've seen so far. We've got 13 episodes, is that right, Joe? 13 episodes so far. Yeah, so it's... Um, I think that's one more than Firefly. And I just hope to the television gods that Fox does not do the same thing that they did to Firefly. A show like The Orville is going to need a little bit 
of room to grow and garnish an audience, I believe. Yeah, and um, it, it needs fan support. Yes, exactly. So if if you if you enjoy the show, tweet Fox about it. Tweet at the Orville. Yes, and follow the Planetary Union Twitter feed to show that you're interested in podcast about the Orville. That's how into the Orville you are. While we're plugging it, yes, we are on Twitter at uh, Planetary underscore Union. And we also have a Facebook page, uh, Planetary Union Network. Like and or follow both of those uh, to stay up on what we'll be discussing on this podcast. And I believe we um, will start having some guests from the cast and crew. People involved with the shows, we've been reaching out, and it's, we got some for sures and a couple strong maybes. So, again, if uh, we get a good listenership, that's only going to encourage the talent from the Orville to come on and talk with us about the show. We're also, we will expand the uh, coverage of the Orville beyond just reviewing the individual episodes as more news comes out about the making of and as uh, the other aspects of it. I mean, I'm hoping that there are going to be the Orville action figures. If people out there are already writing their fan fiction, we want to know about it. Hopefully Orville Planetary Union cosplay starts happening at conventions. Yeah, I'm not particularly into cosplay very much, but I want one of those uniforms. (laughs) (laughs) The Orville has a very good base to build a strong fan base on. And again, ignoring what the critics thought, if we look at the audience score, 90% liked it. That's the makings of a strong fan base right there. So hats off to Seth MacFarlane and the cast and crew of the Orville. Uh, at least these two guys enjoyed the episode enough to start podcasting about the show. And we hope that you listening, the other uh, fans of the Orville, come back and listen to us again. Um, again, I'm Dan Taylor. That's Joe Quickle. And we are Planetary Union Network.